historic moment at Lighthouse, we will finish the book of Romans today. So we're in Romans chapter 16. So you may want to hold your place there. We're going to read there in just a few minutes as we talk about how Paul ends this incredible, amazing letter. And he ends it with a reference to over 29 friends. People who have influenced his life, who he has personally influenced, has worked with him, who have led with him, who have held closely to him, and truly impact his life. And that's how he chooses to close out an entire chapter, simply one by one by one, talking about each of his personal friends. He has one term that we use a lot, that I hear a lot, and it's called this, greet one another with a holy kiss. All right? Do you guys know how to do that? I can, sometimes we say greet one another with a holy handshake. Okay. How about a holy hug? You getting the right idea? So everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. And I want you to greet one another, those by you, with a kiss or a hug or a handshake. Whatever works for you in your setting. Holy hug, holy handshake. All right, that's good. Now sit down. You just get one. You only get one. You see, God desires for us to have relationships that are intentional, that are transformational. And that's why he's joined us together as the body of Christ. And when you are not involved in those relationships, you're missing out on the many things that God wants to do in and through you that week, that month, that year, whatever it may be, because he has called us to be in relationship one to another. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that you might have full, abundant, powerful life. And what he's talking is two relationships, a relationship with God, the father and relationships one with another. And that changes everything in how we live life. Now, Jesus also, though, told us over and over again that this would not be a simple thing. It would not be an easy thing that this life comes at a very, very high cost. He talks about a narrow road and a narrow way. And he says, if you want to have a meaningful life, then you're going to have to pay an exorbitant price. It must be intentional or you will miss out on God's desire and God's will for each one of you. So today he talks about actually between 26 and 29 different people that have influenced his life and how they have done it. What's the first command that Jesus says? The number one command in life is this. You are to what? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second's a lot like it. He said you are to love others as yourself. You're to have relationships with God and relationships with one another. That we're to do for others what we desire for them to do for us. That we're being involved in life so intimately that when somebody coughs, we say, Gesundheit. That when somebody is hurting, we come alongside. That when someone needs a bandage, we're pulling it out of our back pocket or out of our golf bag, whatever it may be. And making sure that it's provided for them. 
Jesus talks about this over and over and over again, and Paul understands it, that he has been called to develop friendships, friends that he never, ever thought he was going to have. Paul, this incredibly difficult, obstinate, arrogant man who would only, would never even think of having a relationship with anyone other than a Jewish brother, finds himself called by God to become friends with the Gentiles And then God puts him into relationship after relationship with Gentile women. God forbid. Women. This is an incredible thing. I hope you begin to comprehend it. That God begins putting Paul in position so he's using women as leaders. Walking with him and ministering with him in a variety of areas. To the point where he points out nine different women in this passage. And says, honor them. Recognize all they've done. How they've cared for me. How they have protected me. How they have provided for me. They are to be held in high esteem. This is Paul. The Jewish, arrogant woman hater. Hardly. False presentation. This wonderful man who got his softened, who has found himself responding to people that he never ever expected to. But the love of God has changed everything and helped him to understand what life is about. You see, the question that I always tell people is, and they'll come to me and say, you know, Pastor Lee, I don't have any friends. And my response to all of you when you've come and said, I don't have any friends, I say one thing. I said, well, then you need to be a friend. They say, well, how can I be a friend? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today is how can we be a friend? But before we do, let's read chapter 16, chapter 16 of the book of Romans. And I want you to be thinking as we read through this of all these friends that Paul speaks about. I commend to you our sister, Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea. And I ask you to receive her and the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the protector, the benefactor of many people, especially me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. And not only me, but all the churches of the Gentiles are so grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked so very hard for each of you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ even before I was. Greet Amphilatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker, and my friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, and those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. How about Tryphena and Tryphosa, the twins? Those women who work hard in the Lord. And greet my friend Persis, another woman who has worked so very hard in the Lord. And about Rufus. He was chosen in the Lord and his mother has been like a mother to me as well. Asacritus, Phlegon, 
Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, and all the other brothers and sisters with them. Greek Philotius, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, or Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings to you. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause division, who put obstacles in your way, and they're contrary to the teaching that you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people aren't serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings. Oh, and also Lucius and Jason and Sisypater and all my fellow Jews. Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greets you in the Lord. Notice somebody had to write it for him because Paul was unable to write himself. Perhaps his eyes were too bad and he couldn't see to write is the most common idea. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, he sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now, bottom line is this, people, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel... The message I proclaim about Jesus the Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery that was hidden for so long ages past, that is, that the Gentiles will be brought in. But now it's been revealed and it's made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Ah, Father, thank you so much. What a powerful, impactful chapter. We read it and we miss so much, Lord, because person after person after person whose life has been touched by you and by Paul and whose life has influenced him or brought to our foreknowledge, to an awareness that now we have. And we ask, Lord, that you would make us people who will be written about as well that others might share about our hard work for you, our desire and willingness to serve you, and that in letters that we send out to others, we can remind ourselves to bring forth these names. Guide us today as we try to get a better handle on what it means to be a friend. Lord, we want to be friends, real friends. Help us to know how. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, friendship, it's such an incredibly, incredibly important area. Proverbs 27:19 has been translated this way, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he's really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. What he's really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. That's one of those I circled that he chooses because I think, okay, Lord, who am I choosing as my friend? We all have at least two different kinds of friends. Okay? We have casual friends. And we have chosen friends, casual friends. Those are 
people that we just kind of happen to be together. We interact together. We maybe we go to church at the same church and we see each other and we wave. Maybe they're at the same job we're at in the same community. They may be neighbors that are close by and we kind of, hey, good, good to see you. We don't really know them. They're acquaintances. They're casual friends. We just run into each other and there's a necessity about it. There's some people are, are casual friends. I do premarital counseling. Most of you know that, you know, Eric and I. And so we always, before you can get married, you have to become our friend. Eh? That's what happens. And so they have to sit down for months, literally months, and answer intense questions and study and figure out, do you really want to marry this person? Are you really willing to do what needs to be done to enter into a marriage relationship? And either Eric or myself constantly, word after word, opportunity after opportunity, bring to them an understanding of what it means to be a husband and a wife. I just finished a wedding yesterday um, for a, a new young couple that had been attending church here and they went through it. That's the Defoe's. You can look them up, meetthedefoes.com. You know, that's their little wedding thing. I thought that was cute. And we had a wonderful time as casual friends that became close friends. Casual friends became close friends. So by the time we're doing the wedding, I know these people better than most people. In many cases, better than almost anybody. Because we have asked the questions that we tend not to ask of one another because they're just difficult. They're hard to ask. But I was in a position that I needed to ask them, and they needed to answer. Casual friends can become close friends. But close friends are the result of choice. Choice and attraction. You can't be close friends with somebody or with everybody, so you have to be very selective in terms of who your close friends are. I'm very selective in who is my close friends. Uh, my wife is somebody that everybody likes. Everybody wants to be Mary's friend. Isn't it true? Everybody wants to be her best friend. Well, guess what? You can't all be. So she chooses, she chooses certain people that she feels God has directed her towards to become her best friend or her closest friend. And there's intentionality in that process. So close friends, we intentionally gather together with because we recognize that they influence us very, very powerfully. Very, very powerful. The closer I am to a person, the greater their impact is on my life. Uh, I, have any of you ever done archery? Hey, if you get out there. I've, I'm, I am really good at archery. I found if I put, if I put this, this great bullseye right here within six feet, I have no problem hitting the bullseye. But the farther it goes out, the more difficult it becomes for me to hit the target at all. The closer people there are to you in your life, the more they will impact you in the bullseye area of your life. So you need to be very, very careful who you choose as your friends because you will be known and recognize who you really are by your friends. Choose them carefully. Paul says, give Phoebe or Phoebe, you know, if you want to get more specifically there, any help that she needs. She has been a great protector to many people, a great friend to me personally. This commendation meant she was the letter carrier. 
Paul had set her aside to take the letter down to the church to present it to them. And if they were to ask questions about what Paul had said, she was the person they would ask of and say, Phoebe, do you know what this means? And she would say, oh, yeah, yeah. In this case, he was referring to and help them to understand it. She would stay there until such time as they felt they no longer needed her. And then she would go wherever God sent her to the next spot. So she was a very, very important person in the life of the Roman church that Paul sends to influence them and to impact them. So Paul walks through nine different women who he talks about supporting and encouraging and leading and teaching. And he honors them and says, you need to do the same. So first of all, we need to talk about friendship. We have casual, we have close friends. And you need to think about it. Who are your close friends? Who are my casual friends? You're thinking about it now. Hmm. How well are you doing with that? Let me tell you some friends that you need to avoid. See, Proverbs tells us there's some friends you need to choose not to be around. A righteous man is cautious in his friendships. Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. They risked their lives for me. You need to avoid some people so they don't become your closest friend. You need to avoid people who stay in jail, as I call it. I gave you a little acronym, all right? You need to avoid people who stay in jail. Avoid these people, Romans 16, 17, who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. They're staying in jail. They are judgmental. That's the first thing I find about these people. They're judgmental. They sit in the seat of scoffers. They judge people on a regular basis. They talk about what they think, what their motivations are, and what's going on in their life. Avoid those kind of people who think they're better than other people. They look down the nose at others and treat them as servants. And that's what the word judgment means, by the way, to look down the nose at. We are called to be servants, not to treat others like servants. We're called to be servants, one of another. If you don't want to be judged, then you choose to accept and to encourage. Now, I want to make one reminder here because I see people constantly misunderstanding what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about judgment. Judgment in this case is talking about motivation, pride, and intentions. He's not talking about actions. We are to judge actions. Intentionally, specifically, first of all, in yourself. Second of all, in those that God calls us to be friends with. So Jesus in Matthew 18 says, if your brother, if your friend sins against you, then you're to go to them and what? Share where they fail, where they fall, and ask them to ask you for forgiveness. I've never had anybody come up to me and say that I have failed them. That's a lie. Total lie. It is so humbling. People come to me and say, Pastor, did you? I go, I had no idea, or I'm so sorry. Yes, I did. Please forgive me. We're to be involved in this process of judging one another in relationship to actions, helping each other, appropriate judging. I need people to appropriate judge. I ask the elders, please judge me. If I'm doing something wrong, please tell me. If you're aware of something, please bring it to my attention. I 
I did the wedding yesterday. Someone decided they were going to clarify something to me. I was sharing in the wedding how this couple had met together at, at ASU. And he said, no, it wasn't ASU. It was U of A. And those of you who know anything about Arizona, this is like stepbrothers who hate each other. U of A is yay. Yeah. And Arizona State is like, ooh. Unless you're with Arizona State. Okay. Then U of A is ooh. So both of them went to U of A, University of Arizona. And I said, yeah, you got it. Only a few people caught it, fortunately, because it was just a little blip. But boy, I heard about it for 15 minutes. Great message. That was just wonderful. What was the thing about Arizona State? What are you talking about? They said, they didn't go to Arizona State. I went, did I say Arizona State? Oh, yeah. See, people need to judge your actions and help you to overcome them. The purpose of judgment is to help us overcome and not fall into that problem again. I had a friend of mine, I'll call him a friend, that early on in my preaching, he came to me after I was done sharing, and he said, Pastor, do you know what a pitcher is? And I said, yeah. He said, a pitcher is someone who throws a ball or that you drink out of, right? And a picture is something that you look at. And I said, in your point? He said, well, you keep talking about pictures and you said picture. I went, thank you very much. That was 30 years ago. I still remember. Now, was he kind of picky, Eunice? Yeah, but he became a very good friend because he was willing to help me become a better person. And he was unwilling to allow me to continue to make that mistake. And he said, I don't really care, Lee, but I want you as a speaker and somebody who stands up and shares for people to be able to enunciate appropriately. He said, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. Not right now, but later I will appreciate it. No judgmental people do I want to have as close friends. Secondly, I don't want to have angry friends. Angry friends. So Proverbs says, anyone who is angry with his brother, Jesus said, will be subject to judgment. Proverbs 16 and 22 talk about, do not have friends who are angry all the time. They will put you into positions that you don't want to be in. You'll absorb their habits and you will regret the result. The opposite of angry is, got a lot of ideas, patient. Could be a variety of things, but you need to think along that end. I want my... Brother or sister that's close to me, this friend, to be different than that. Thirdly, don't be immoral or greedy. You must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy. Immorality, in this case, is speaking of sexual immorality, and that's anyone who's involved in sexual activity outside of marriage. We're not to be involved in that outside of marriage. Greedy is talking about greedy versus generosity. Choosing to keep what God has told you to give away. That's a greedy person. We get caught up in that. We're gathering more and more stuff when God said you're supposed to give it away. Give it away. Downsize your house. Give away all this stuff. Other people actually need it. You're just hoarding it. Don't be greedy and don't have greedy friends. This is both financial and emotional in terms of generosity and greed. So lighten your load. Then he says, for the L here, lazy people. Keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Don't have lazy friends. Don't have lazy friends. 
Wow. So what do you do with these people? Act like a snob and say, sorry, you're in jail. You can't be my friend. No. You are supposed to come alongside them as casual friends and help them to overcome these areas in their life if they want to. And what I said was those who want to stay in jail, not those who are in jail, but those who want to stay in jail who say, I don't want to be generous. I don't want to be moral. I don't want to be patient and I will be judgmental. Who do you think you are to tell me that? You see, you go, whoa. Don't make these friends your close friends. One bad apple will ruin the whole bunch, girl. Yeah, I don't care what they say. It will. Just put it in there. One bad potato will too. Don't be close friends with these types of people. There are also some people you need to seek out. The Bible says, speak to these people. Let them become your close friends. You need to seek friends who stimulate, who support, who strengthen, who stir you in relationship to the intellectual, your mind, your understanding, your knowledge, your wisdom. That's the first thing we're going to talk about here. You need to gather around you people who stimulate you intellectually. Paul says, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. I rejoice over you. He who walks with the wise will become what? Wise. Will become wise. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Friends are part of your education. Perhaps the greatest part of your education. Do your friends make you think? Or do they push you to sleep? Is all you do with your friends is watch a football game? My sons show me exactly what's going on in the football game. Thing I'm going, really? He says, what's this? Stop. Okay, Dad. I go, that's incredible. How do you know all this stuff? Madden. Their friend Madden taught him everything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. Yeah. Do your friends make you think? Emerson said, a friend is someone who makes you do what you can. A friend is someone who makes you do what you can. You need to choose people who will stimulate you mentally. They should be lifting you up, not dragging you down. They should be interested in your growth, making you a better person. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Do we share books or just games? Intellectual friends provide correction and reproof and training from someone that we know and we trust. And boy, that's a key, folks. Someone that you know and that you trust. We all have blind spots in our lives and we desperately need friends to point them out to us so that we might overcome them. But you will never see them clearly. You need a friend to continue to point those blind spots out. Paul says, be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. We need a friend who stimulates us. In terms of wisdom and knowledge. Secondly, you need a friend who supports you consistently. This is such a big deal. A friend loves at all times. When does a friend love? That's right, at all times. That's difficult. That is very, that's why you have to be careful who you choose as your friends. I'm to love you at all times. A brother's born for adversity, for tough times and difficulties. The brother will come alongside you. 
So we use that term, blood is thicker than water. A friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walks out. They see you through when other people drop you off. Have a good day. I don't want to deal with that stuff. I'm out of here. Friend sticks around and says, okay. See, a friend says, how are you doing? And when you answer, they listen. It's so difficult for me oftentimes on Sunday morning because I walk up and say, how are you doing? Twice this, this Sunday person said, I'm okay. You know what that means, don't you? They're not okay at all. They're not okay. They're, I'm okay. Oh, really? What's wrong? Oh, you got a half hour? <laughs> no. But later I do. But right now, maybe a little bit, can I pray for you? Friends, listen. They're consistent in bearing your burdens and caring about you personally. They stand with you. They learn how to harmonize because life is a series of ups and downs, of highs and lows. They know how to harmonize in those difficult times, those cries of victories and the size of defeat. Good times, bad times. How does Paul put it early in Romans? When people are happy, be happy with them. When they're sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with one another. That means you've got to know your part. You see, the reason harmony is difficult is because you have to know what your part is. Anne's really good at harmony. She can hear the harmony. And so she sings it. Robin's very good at harmony. She can hear the harmony and she sings it. I'm not very good at harmony. I sing something, and it's not harmony. It's a note, but it's not harmony. I have to work at harmony. I can sing harmony. Most of my life I've learned how to, but it's not natural for me. It's work. It's effort. I've got to think, think, think. There it is. Okay. And I work it out. And sometimes I start off a little bit off pitch, and then I bring it to the right spot. Oh, there it is. Harmony is difficult. If you're going to have harmony with your brothers and sisters, you're going to have to work at it. Ups times, down times. We need someone who will come alongside us and comfort us. As our brother said here, when, when you're hurting and you're hungry, you don't need someone to say, let me share with you this special Bible verse that God gave me. Get him a hamburger. Then share the Bible verse while they're eating. Great. Do what needs to be done then. That's what friends do. Find the harmony. Find the harmony. Friends seek harmony consistently. They speak well of you. They encourage one another. They build each other up. You're seeking to find the best in your friends. You praise them when they do right. You encourage them. You believe in them. Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you do be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. There's only three kinds of people that need encouragement. The people you met yesterday, the people you meet today, and the people you meet tomorrow. Figure that out? We all desperately need encouragement. With my wife, we're at a wedding. She said, she said, oh, that person over there, I need to go help them out. I know they're really discouraged because this is a difficult situation they're in. It's the stepmom, and she's really awkward, I can tell. So I'm going to go over there and... Make them more comfortable. Seriously? Wow. That's amazing. Friends 
do those things. They seek out how to make harmony. They ask the question, what am I doing to add value to this relationship? That's why the Danish proverb says, the road to a friend's home is never long. It's never long. It's a short walk, no matter how far away it is or how long the flight may be. We can't wait till we get there. You see, when we're in desperate need, that's when our friends come alongside and meet that need. And meet that need. I'm not going to show that clip, Mark, because we need to keep moving along. Okay? Okay, the third area of friendship is you need to learn to strengthen people spiritually. Strengthen people spiritually. So Paul says, I am eager to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. And this way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. Who do you have around you that will stimulate you spiritually? It's not about perfection. It's about a friend who loves you and cares about you and comes alongside. That's why James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. What each other friend do you have that you can do that with? That you confess your sins to? That they can pray for you? And that God can bring healing into your life? You need those kinds of friends. Those friends who share your struggles who pray with you, who lift you up and are an encouragement to you. They're, a, they're an encouragement to your spiritual side. I'm going to ask Liz to come up here right now. And uh, I asked her to come up because it's easy for me to talk about some of these things. But I, I know that Liz has a, a special spiritual friend. Many. See, she's got lots of them. That's great. She's got a number of people that have been a major encouragement and direction for her life. So I just wanted her to ask a few simple questions. And that was, uh, how often do you meet with spiritual friend or friends? How often do you meet? Um, I'd like to do it every day. Yeah. But probably make contact every day, but probably meet two or three times a week. Okay. Two or three times. That's pretty good. Okay. What do you do? Many of the things that you were talking about um, encourage each other, uh, listen to the good things, celebrate those, um, talk about the bad things, Mm -hmm. work out a plan, um, talk about ways to develop ourselves spiritually. Um, How does it stimulate you? How does it stimulate you in terms of your spiritual walk? um, You know, it's funny. I was thinking, sorry, I'm going to have to go off on a tangent here for a second. Go for it. Your question today was about how do you choose friends? Mm-hmm. And honestly, in the past few years, God has been choosing them for me. Um, when I was a new Christian, and really kind of everything was, I was all excited. What do I do? Okay, I have to pray. I have to do this. Jill Shannon gave me Jesus Calling. She started teaching me about devotionals and spending time with God. And then I got a little bit further advanced. I'm like, okay, what's this Holy Spirit thing? I don't get that. Judy Wayman. Let me show you a book. Let's talk about that. Great. Okay, now I'm a little further down the road. Um, Okay, this thing where God is in my life every single day. How do I do that? And that's probably where Mary comes into play because Mary and I walk and we talk. And um, all the things that Lee listed on that page, that's Mary. I mean, really honestly. Um, She's helping me kind of do discipleship. We're not done yet. Um, We get sidetracked with the fun part of our relationship. Um, But she's pouring into me all these other ladies. And there's so many ladies at Lighthouse who have been pouring into me. Um, But it is consistency. 
Hey, can you give her a hand? Thanks, Liz. Friendships are so incredibly important. To have a relationship with God is amazing, but all these other people have a relationship with them as well. They can help you to understand the part they got a good handle on and help you to get a handle on that area as well. See, real friends stimulate us. They stir us. They cause us to respond to God's direction in our life. And the last thing I about here was friends stir us to maintain integrity. True friends, the friends you need to choose, help you to maintain integrity. The scripture says in your teaching show integrity that cannot be condemned. You see, we desperately need friends who hold us to integrity. I'm going to read you a little little verse here. It's actually a song, and I want you to see if you can tell me where this song came from or who it applies to. Here's how it goes. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Okay, where'd that come from? Cheers. A bar. Shouldn't that be the church? That song should be about the church. It should be about the wonder of interacting with God and the friends that he brings to us on a regular basis. Instead, it's a bar. Now, let me tell you the truth about the bar. Any of you that have friends at the bar, they're not very good friends. And they're not stimulating you to integrity. Because that's not the place to go if you want to gain true friends. Friends who stir you to integrity. You need to be involved in small groups, developing relationships with the people that can help you and stir you to integrity. Integrity is about Showing up the cracks in our life so that we're able to hold up that which God has called us to do. See, all of us have these cracks. And people that hold us up, they say, hey, Lee, you got this crack here. What's, what's going on? I, I go, I, well, I, I, they say, I thought you were. I go, well, yeah. They said, come on, man. You like that line? Come on, man. Step up. Be the man God called you to be. Come on, woman. Be the woman God called you to be. That's what these friends do. They point out the cracks and they say, hey, patch that up. Don't allow that to destroy your life. A good friend calls you to a higher standard for your own higher good. And the whole body is fitted together perfectly or with integrity as each does its own special work helping the other parts to grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Integrity. All parts hold together to accomplish the task that God has set apart for us. Let us think of ways, he says in Hebrews, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wow. And then Paul ends all this statement about friends with this Incredible statement that you need to get a handle on. He says this. Now to him who is able to establish you. To him be glory and honor and majesty forever and ever. Amen. And this is what he's saying. 
friends help, Jesus heals. Say that with me. Friends help, but Jesus heals. So you can come to me for counseling, and I'll give you some direction and some help. But the only healing you're going to get is if Jesus gets in the middle of it and he heals you. I cannot heal anybody. I don't have that ability. I can help you. Jesus heals you. He healed me. He can heal you as well. And he uses friends to do it on a regular basis. To bring you to the place where you interact with God and say, God, help me. And he says, I'm not just going to help you. I'm going to heal you. And a marvelous thing's happened. And we're transformed into the very image of Christ. All right? We got it? Avoid people who stay in jail. Do not allow them to get close in your life. Keep them at arm's length. Encourage them to change as much as you can. Don't be a snob. But also, don't allow them to become so close that they impact you personally. Seek friends. Do whatever you can to get those friends. You make them meet with you. You say, I will do whatever. Please. I need your friendship. Because you strengthen me. And you stimulate me. And you stir me. And I find myself growing in wisdom. I find myself established with integrity. I find myself stimulated spiritually. And I I find myself desperately needing you to be a consistent friend in my life. Will you please, please be my friend? Okay, I want you to take your sheets out right now. You've got a little prayer request. And you should have at least two friends you need to be praying for that you're going to put down on that and say, I want to thank God for this friend. And I pray, whatever it is, for this other friend in my life, whatever it may be. And that's the, that's the only request I want to see on those, unless you already put stuff down. That's fine. Okay? But the other cast that you want to focus on. Right now, let's listen to this song again as you write that down. And then we're going to be led by our team in worship. And we'll share in the offering. Listen to the song. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Lord, thank you for friends. 
They make our life meaningful. They cause us to experience joy that we would never otherwise experience. Continue to bring them into our life and help us to be the friend that you called us to be as well. We ask this in your son Jesus' name, (laughs) our best friend. Amen. We're going to share in our offering now. We're going to put those prayer requests in.